comedians sometimes get lumped into a stereotypical category of being these masters of mirth who offstage are just morose, complicated, and depressed individuals who somehow lucked out and found the sanctuary of a comedy stage and an open mic to comedically channel their misery and woes. And maybe that's because those are the stories that we, as the public, hear the most. Nope, nobody really wants to hear how happy and content a comedian might be. We're far more fascinated by the pain and the angst. I could go through a potentially endless list of comedic minds that we've lost to the throes of drugs, alcohol, and depression, and you would marvel at the irony of how those minds made so many people so happy while they were so goddamn miserable. But that's not always the case. There are some perfectly mind-healthy comedians out there with fruitful and productive lives, solid marriages, and beautiful children doing what they love and basking in the glow of their craft. Eh. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> it's the same at your job. Admit it. Who are you talking about in the break room? Fred, who never missed a day of work and successfully put three kids through medical school? And when he got a raise, he gave it to charity? No. No, you're marveling at Brad, the two-time divorced, high-functioning alcoholic who only shows up for work three days a week but somehow has surpassed everyone in the company in sales. How the fuck did he do that? <laughs> nope, unless they could potentially overdose on happiness and contentment, we secretly would rather hear about the fucked up ones. Well, maybe... Maybe tonight we'll get a little bit of both. Welcome to Whiskey Business, a podcast. Yeah. Not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. I am your host, Adino Tripodis. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is the kickoff of the second annual Columbus Podcast Festival. Yeah. Here in the beautiful, lovely Short North at the Short North Stage in the, in the historic Garden Theater. I want to thank our sponsors, the law offices of Saya and Pyatt. That's smart, right? Have a drinking podcast and have lawyers for a sponsor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll have business cards at the bar, by the way, if you need them. <laughs> uh, located in Columbus, Delaware, Cleveland, and Mount Gilead. You can contact them at SPLaws.com or call them at 888-OVIOhio.com. Hansberry, this is historic for us. This is our 55th bottle as I introduce the guest bottle before I introduce my guests. It's big time. Uh, a bottle of Sazerac rye, straight rye whiskey from the good folks at Buffalo Trace Distillery. They didn't give it to me. I actually bought it, and it's a hard one to find. It's not an expensive one. It's a hard it one to spell. It, it, it fits our category of uh, whiskeys for $50 or under, All right. but it is hard to find. And we'll talk more about the, the Sazerac rye, the six-year-old rye, uh, as we get into it more and share it with my guests, too, from what at least I know are healthy-minded Comedians, uh, I guess I uh, give a give a nice warm welcome to my friend Dan Swartout over here on my left, Hello. and Jason Banks on my right. What's up? Two guys, welcome, gentlemen. Welcome. Dan's been on the podcast before. Jason, this is your first time. This is my first time. First time, and and you are a married man. I am married. How many kids? Two. I have a set of twins. A set of twins. Yes. How old are the twins? Seven. 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 Uh, yeah, they're seven. <laughs> That's, they keep my mind like this. Like I'm just, I'm out of it all the time. There's, they're, they are the most energetic seven-year-olds I've ever seen in my life. Are they boys, girls? One of each. One of each. Yeah. Okay, so you're done. <laughs> well, I'm not done practicing. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
I'm done with the finished product. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Dan, you have a beautiful daughter who's also seven. She'll be seven next month. Before we talk about that, you know, I uh, from the last podcast, I am not much of a whiskey drinker. So if you could explain to me what a rye is, I'd be more comfortable on a show called Pinot Noir Business. So <laughs> I, I, if you could tell me what this is all about before I take a sip, that would be awesome. Uh, well, you know, that's <laughs> funny thing you asked about that because with the, with this particular whiskey, uh, when they put them when when they discuss the mash bill, and the mash bill is what everything is included, what's in the mix. Um, there's some dispute as to what is in the mash bill. All we know for sure is that it is 51% rye. And that's all you need to know. Okay. Well, you said <laughs> mash bill. I just started thinking of Radar O'Reilly, so I completely lost you after that. So then we would go back into your television <laughs> history, which we'll talk about in another podcast. Don't worry about Jason. He's already polished off one glass. Yeah, Jason so. said to me earlier when we came in, he, she said, you know, man, I, I, ain't no, I ain't no whiskey drinker. Here. He, he beat us all to the punch. Here's the thing. I'm not... You, <laughs> You gave me such a small amount. Well, I didn't yeah, know if you yeah, would yeah. like that, it or not. The ice was sticking above the drink. <laughs> like nobody else, everybody else had floating ice. So it kind of made you me know, feel as like. As I mentioned earlier, two healthy minded comedians that don't have any drinking problems <laughs> or whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, uh, you actually did say, you actually did say, like, you mentioned drugs, alcohol, and then you were like, it makes them miserable. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, I love drugs and alcohol. Like, why <laughs> would you? But I'm talking about the minds that got, that, that, that got lost in it. Now, you guys are two married individuals with families and kids, and I would have to... How, how many years in comedy now for you, Dan? Boy, uh, my first open mic was in April of 1997. So, you know, I, when, when you ask somebody who's a comedian how long you've been doing comedy, there's so many answers to that question from your first, from your first open mic to when you, right. you kind of went full-time and professional. So April of 97 was my... First open mic, and then May of 2002 is when I would consider myself, I am a professional comedian now. And were you married from the get-go? Married from the get-go. So your wife was supportive? Yes, she's been exceedingly supportive. From the very beginning. From the very beginning. And I just love the way you framed this. Who are the people you don't want to hear about? Well, I'm glad to have them here tonight on the show. So are you not interested in people like this at all? Well, good. We, could, we got a lot of them for you. No, no, no. No, no because I'm, I'm trying to prove a point. Okay. Because uh, if there was somebody who did almost lose his mind in the... Uh, in the in the drugs and the alcohol along the way. Hi, Dino Chapotis, nice to meet you. <laughs> and Jason, how long have you been doing it? Uh, Eleven years. Eleven years. Yes. And how long have you been married? <laughs> he knew comedy right away. Yeah. I know that. So I can tell you, two thousand nine. What's today? Two thousand eight. Nine years. Nine oh, years. Yeah. You know, my my nine year anniversary just passed. That's okay, right. so you were into stand up already. Well, well no, not technically because. 2001 is when we got together. So I've been with her since 2001. So okay. Technically, I probably should have been married right. by the time I started comedy, but I'm just late on asking the question. <laughs> so, so, but no, she, she was very supportive from the beginning. She's supportive now. Like, I'm here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? She's home with the kids. So, yeah, she's always been supportive. She think you're funny? You know, she used to think I was funny. Uh -huh. Like, she used to laugh at everything. But now she'll laugh still, but she won't laugh if I hit her with a new joke. If I come in like, yo, I got this, this is hilarious, you're going to love this. And I hit her with it, she just looks at me like I'm crazy. She's like, you should say this. And I'm like, you're not the comedian. Is the thing. <laughs> she works for logistics. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I tell her, like, hey, you should travel like this. You, know what I mean? like, you should put the crate up here. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> but she's supportive. She's cool, man. Now, if she doesn't like a joke, do you still go ahead and do it? Or is she, tr- is she, oh, yeah, is she I, your sounding board? No, I tell her, like, no, that's funny. You just don't know what you're talking about. It's mm-hmm. hilarious. And then I'll go try. And it, it's usually, I got other com- comedians that, that I go over, over with, so they'll tell me it's funny. So I'm like, I got it. You actually trust your other comedian friends? It'll be okay. Yeah, some of them. Swarty, what about you? Some of them. Does, does your wife think you're funny? My wife thinks I'm funny. I'm still trying to recover from my first sip of the of the rye whiskey <laughs> here. I don't know if anyone saw my face when I took that first sip. I love the fact he snorts. Uh, my wife, my wife thinks I am funny. Are you drunk already? No, no. One sip, we'll do it. My my wife thinks I'm funny, but my wife has a very uh, a very set routine. When I when I come to her with a new joke and she doesn't think it's funny, she tells me that it's cute. That's basically how I know she doesn't think it's funny. She's like, oh, that's that's cute. And you're like, okay, well, this is terrible. I got to start again. <laughs> start again. But I, you don't dump it. You just go back and rework it. What is she, what's the word that she says that, that says, okay, I nailed it? She'll, she'll, actually she'll actually laugh. laugh. She'll actually laugh. She'll actually laugh. Yeah, but if it's not funny, she'll say it's cute. And I run stuff by her because I think she's very smart, and, and she's got a good sense for what is funny. So I, I trust her judgment a, a lot. When I started, I was almost 30 years old when I started. How old were you when you first started? 23. 23. How old were you when you started? Uh, how old am I now? I don't know. 35. <laughs> I was 24. 24. And I started when I was 30. And I think the benefit of starting when I was 30, and this is what I want to get into next, was um, I immediately started talking about my life at 30. I was a divorced guy with a, a five-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and I immediately dove into my life instead of – so. The bits that I wrote were actually truths that were just exaggerated. Mm-hmm. So do you guys base much of your stand-up on your lives and your families? Because I've watched you both, and I see you go in different directions. And every once in a while, especially you, more, more so lately with you, Dan, I see you getting more into the, the fabric and tapestry that's your life right now. Yeah, I think that's, that's always the best comedy in my mind is when you talk about what you know and you speak in truths and who I am is a guy that's been married for 16 years and has a daughter who's in kindergarten that's who I am and if I if I project something different on stage I think it'll ring hollow so I, I try to I try to always everything I say on stage and I'll say this on stage if you see my show everything I'm telling you is true because everything is true because I think that's the funniest comedy. Does it ever get too true? Does it ever get too close to the vest with either of you where your wives would say I, I don't really appreciate that and you need to take it out? Uh, well, I actually do a joke where I say that uh, my wife asked me a question if if I could sleep with any of her friends who would it be? And I say Nikki as the answer. <laughs> and, and the sad thing is, like, she has a friend named Nikki. Oh. And, like, Nikki came to the house one time, and she was, she was just chilling on the couch. And when she left, she was like, she thinks you're cute. I can just tell. Like, she didn't like her anymore after that. And I wrote the joke after that, but didn't think about, like, the fact that that was Nikki. I totally forgot that's who that well, girl's name but was. But Nikki just, Nikki just had a good sound to it as yeah, far yeah, as, yeah. as, far as I, yeah, I have, yeah, so comics so, have this thing about the K sound if it's yeah, got a okay. K sound in it for some reason it resonates funny so Nikki is, is a great name yeah, Krusty so, the Clown so yeah. I think she questions exactly. it still to this day like, I still think she questions it so yeah. beyond I, I don't change no it really wasn't right, right it wasn't about Nikki no, no, no you don't really want to sleep with Nikki that's not the point, the point. No, 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 <laughs> not at all I really wouldn't it was, it was just but I think that one kind of rang a little true to her and that was really but you still do that joke yeah oh yeah it's a great joke 
So would you ever take it? Would you, if your wife, if your wives ever asked you to take out a joke because it bothered them on some level, would you do it? Yes. Yes. Yes, I would. I, we would have to really talk about, I don't think like that one I would, but I don't think anything else I really say bothers her. And if it's a really great joke, I might have to tell like, this is the joke that got me places. Like I have jokes that got me on certain shows, right? right? So I, I got to do like a genuine joke on, if she came with like, yo, that joke's just too much. I might be like, well, then I'll just work at Chase forever then. If that ever did happen, do you think, do you think that crosses the line? Do you think there, do you think as, as, the significant other or, or the wife of a comedian, do you think if they were to ask that and suggest that, and to, does that cross their line? Are they in the, are they in the wrong? I, I don't believe so. As a comedian, I make the choice to get on stage and, and share myself. That's a choice that I make. My wife doesn't make that same choice. I make the conscious choice to get on stage and talk about my life and talk about things. My wife doesn't make that same choice, and, and she's very, very supportive of what I say, and I talk about our lives a lot. But because she's not the one making that choice, I think I have to respect her wishes to some respect if something did cross the line in her mind. But some would argue that since she has chosen to stand by your side, that she has bought into it, and so she has to roll with the comedic punches, so to speak. But that's a choice she could always revoke. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. See, I, I'm on the other side. Of that. See, Dan says he talks about a lot of true stuff, right? Right. So if he says something and she's upset about it, it was probably something that was true anyway, <laughs> and he probably mm -hmm. shouldn't stand on stage if she's that mad. Me, I'm, I, my comedy is so out there. I say the most random things. A lot of stuff starts out true, but it, then it just goes off into this random tangent. And like, I talk about a guy took me out to the movie, so I gave him a kiss because I felt like it was a date. Like, like this <laughs> shit didn't really happen. So I don't think she's really going to be upset because she knows everything I say is so falsified. Like, why would she really be upset with just a random... I mean, but if she asked, I would. You make me feel bad, Dan. You made me feel like a bad husband <laughs> well, over here. I gotta question my jokes. Well, well, coming from a place where I'm doing a lot of things that's true, one of the things that I have, and I'm one of the few comedians who I know talks about it, I have a, you know, six or seven minute chunk of material on going through and experiencing infer infertility. As, as a couple and I talk about it on stage and, and a lot of people who've gone through that as well appreciate that so you know I, I'm, I'm coming from a place of truth and if I am saying something that's just you know like I'm saying I'm the one who makes the choice and she's very very cool with what I say on stage she'll tell people who come to a show who are friends of ours you're gonna learn more about us than you expected or maybe even <laughs> wanted to know so she's always been real cool about that, but if she ever said, nah, I don't want that one, I'd go ahead and back off. Do you guys have expectations as to where your careers uh, should be or where they might go? No, she kind of likes where it's going for the most part. I mean, because I still work a full-time job, so. Really? Yeah, so she's totally content with the fact that it's just all extra money coming in <laughs> and that I, 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 had a, I had this guy, I had a garage door guy come over today and just charged me $300. That would have killed me before, but like just the extra money, it was so she appreciated. So how would she feel if all of a sudden you said, you know, honey, I'm, I'm leaving the full-time gig and I'm just going to focus completely now on stand-up and the only money coming in on my end is going to be stand-up money. How would she feel then? You know what? She's content. Because she's actually, she wants to move to L.A., <laughs> but she wants to move to L.A. not because she thinks I can make it in L.A. She wants to move to L.A. because she likes L.A. So, oh, so it's got nothing to do with you. Yeah, so, but she would be totally content. 
she would be content with that. Cause we actually own a house and she would be content with moving down to like a, a studio apartment in LA with two kids. Would she though? Yeah, for, for the first two days. She, uh, she yeah. says that, they say that, that. Do you find that? Do you find that? And this is just in relationships in general. Do, do you find that, that uh, both men and women, I'm not going after the women when I say this, but both men and women say things and, and then if they actually do come to fruition, they're like, wow, I didn't think that was going to actually happen. <laughs> and now what? So like I said, what's, what's, your, what's your wife expect at this point? Have another drink. <laughs> Maybe it'll come to you. You know, the expectations for me have changed because my expectations have changed. When I first uh, started doing stand-up, as we all, you know, when we first start doing stand-up, you think about, oh, my TV show or this or that. And, you know, I've been in the game now for a long time. I'm a, I'm a father. And, and, you know, the expectation for me now, my primary expectation is being a good dad. So I make the conscious choice to be home more and not travel as much. And I think that's something that my wife appreciates. And it's something more so even than her. It's something I appreciate because you've only got one chance, one chance to be a dad. And uh, I, I want to take that chance. I don't want to be in Texarkana telling jokes during my daughter's dance recital. So I've become much more picky as far as what I do, where I go. I'm much more selective about the gigs that I take. And so I think that's something my wife supports. But I think at the same time, if I wanted to really hit the road like I did back in the day when I was on the road 40 weeks a year, mm -hmm. I think she'd be supportive of that too. But that's not what I want to do at this stage in my life. And I'm lucky that I'm in the position that I'm able to do that. I got you. If you don't want that gig in Texarkana, Jason... <laughs> Yeah, I need more gigs. If you could just pass that over. You just, you just I've been trying to get, I'm, I'm not like you. I get away from my kids whenever I can. Especially in I Texas drop her off at the dance recital and I drive to Texas. It's a long drive and she can wait till I get back. You know? Which brings me to my next I, I, which brings me to my next question. What do your kids think of what you do? They're they're of, of an age now where they're where they they should be understanding what, what daddy does for a living. So do they think what you do full time, the full time gig is your job? Or do they think that daddy's a comedian? I think they, they think both. They actually think I'm famous, which is weird. Like, they'll tell people in their class. Isn't that the best, like, though? They'll be like, yeah, my dad's famous. Yeah. Like, and then she'll come and she'll tell me. Like, I'll pick her up. She'll be like, yeah, so today I told Sarah and uh, Corinne you were famous. I'm mm -hmm. like, I kind of like it. I'm like, keep them going. Yeah, yeah, yeah So when yeah. I walk in, everybody's like, what does he do? Tell the <laughs> teachers, too. Nobody knows. <laughs> yeah. But they, they love it. They, th I, they, think, they think I'm a comedian at Chase Bank in their mind. <laughs> 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 and what about your daughter? Where, where, where does, uh, what's He's the amortization comic. If <laughs> <Yeah>. you <laughs> <laughs> want to know about balloon payments, I've got seven it's, minutes on it's, it. It's the it's the only it's the only it's the only gig where you can close every day and be the headliner. <laughs> Uh, what's your daughter think? My daughter uh, thinks that I'm a comedian, which is actually pretty cool because I get to take her with me sometimes. And what my daughter loves more than anything is when she gets to go on stage. So like before shows, 
you know, we were recently, uh, I took my family with me when I did uh, a room just outside of Chicago, and uh, it was on a resort, and, and I took my family with me, and before the shows, my daughter got up on stage and, and did whatever, you know, she sang songs and told knock-knock jokes while the staff was preparing the room, and she thought that was like the coolest thing in the world. So, you know, she, she thinks that I'm a comedian, but I, I'm not sure, I, I'm not sure what she envisions what a comedian does she probably get thinks i get up and tell jokes like you know what's a pirate's favorite restaurant arby's <laughs> that's the, and that's like a joke that a kid would that tell kills, me that kills and in the she thinks grade. i do probably 45 minutes of that okay. <laughs> and like it's number 37 it's minute 37 we're getting back to the chicken cross of the road you guys are gonna love this strap in hasbury's got a question yeah, I, I mean i know i'm preaching to the choir here but kind of the same question about about your wives like kids give you gold it's like a gold mine of funny stuff mm -hmm. like do you ever get up there and start wisecracking about your kids and either worry that they're going to hear it or worry that you're going to just scar them for life like we're going through potty training right now and my boy <laughs> has been getting poop boners this is a real thing poop boners he, 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 he poops and then he gets a hard on he gets a boner when he's pooping and I this is the first time I ever brought it up because I'm a Embarrassed that must be one hell of a shit, man. But you know, like, there's a lot of that kind of material that do you? Is that not, normal? I don't know. If he's five, is have that you ever anybody? I don't get him. Uh, never heard of. I've never heard him. of a. Lucky for him. Hey, Hansberry. Right I'm going to give you the number of a doctor a friend guy. of mine. Yeah, I got, got a guy. I always got, got a guy, guy for everybody. Yeah, yeah, I think we got a guy. But, but they, you know what I mean? They give you so much material. What do you feel comfortable using on stage about your kids? Well, it's, you know, I remember that when I was on the road in Atlanta and I got a, I, I got a call from my, my ex-wife and it was just a, a call <laughs> me. I need to talk to you. Something has happened at home. And I uh -oh. panicked uh -huh. right away. Poop boner? And uh, No, not a poop boner. <laughs> not a poop boner. What is but, this going on? But, <laughs> you can tell it's weighing on yeah, me. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to get that out of my mind, God damn it. Uh, no. I saw it. What had well, happened. Tell me more about this rye whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> no, let me tell you what had happened was at, at, at nine years of age, my daughter had gotten her first period. And, you know, she was beside herself at nine. My ex-wife was beside herself at nine. I, as her father, uh, even though we were divorced, was beside myself. But what did I talk about that night on stage? My nine-year-old getting her period and, 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 and <laughs> expressing my, my shock and how incredulous it all seemed to me. And, and I started to connect it to other things. And it wound up being a, a bit. Much to my daughter's chagrin, you know, you know, because she'll look at old, she'll look at old comedy tapes. She goes, "You talked about my period on when, when, you know, really." To, to get back to the original question, I had been doing stand up for a long time before my daughter was born, fourteen years, and everyone was said, "Oh, you're having a kid. There's going to be so much material, so mm -hmm. much material. Your kid does nothing for a year and a half." <laughs> I had no material. I'm like, do something funny. Stop laying there and do something funny. So, I, I mean, it took a long time till I got any actual material from it. It's like, yeah, she napped today. That was something, huh? <laughs> Hilarious. See, uh, what's sad is I, when I write, I usually just, I'm just standing up in my house just saying jokes out loud. And I'll go over jokes. I'll try to add tags to the jokes. And my kids are just in the other room playing the Nintendo Switch. So they hear everything I say. Sometimes they can repeat <laughs> my jokes. So 
when I actually wrote a joke about my son recently, and I, I'll be in the room. This is no, I'll be in the room just telling the random jokes, and I get to that joke, and I'll just whisper it. Cause I'm like, if he hears this, it's gonna break his heart, because he's really an emotional type of kid. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, and the joke, the premise, how I say it, and I said it loud one time. I was like, oh, if he heard that, it's gonna kill him. But it was just like, I love my son, but I hate our conversations. <laughs> and, and, but. but and the thing is, it's not that I don't like talking to him because I love talking to him. It's just the fact he takes so long. If you guys have kids, yeah. like you have to know, like, I'll be rushing out the door. He'll be like, can I tell you something? I'll be like, no. You write a letter, and I'll read that shit when I come home. Because he takes forever. Just to get the first sentence out. Like, it, it, he got eight different words that sentence could have started with. Mm-hmm. He'll be like, uh, so whenever we was, so when we, when, however, when, so, okay, so when we was coming down, whenever, after lunch, whenever we go outside, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm try, I wrote this great joke. I think it's going to be a great joke. I tried to was an open mic, but when I'm at home, I just, when I get to that point. Okay, but at some point, he's going to know you wrote that joke. Yeah, at that point, he'll be cool. We probably would have, like, well, he, That's what you want to think. Yeah, yeah, you're right, because if he grows up to hate My me, daughter's he, 30. Six years old, she's still pissed that I did a, a period <laughs> joke about her when she was nine. You're right. Yeah, and what's sad is I have twins, a boy and a girl, and all my jokes are about him because he's the oh. easier one to write about. And I don't want to break his heart on that either because he already thinks. He'll send her down to me. He'll be like, Ryan, go ask dad because he'll say yes if you ask. And I'm like, oh, that's heartbreaking. That's not true at all. I'll say no to both of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> one of you is your daughter going to be upset that you're not writing jokes about her? Is it going to go that way with it? I don't know. She's, it's going to come to her soon because she's the funny one, to be honest. He's just easy to write about, but she is actually hilarious. Mm-hmm. She makes me laugh every day. <laughs> Were either of your parents funny people? I mean, everybody always wonders where, the, where comedy comes from. You know, like my father uh, had a, a sense of humor, but it was my mother who had the sar- more of the sarcastic wit and didn't even realize it. Mm-hmm. So every, everybody always wonders, do you know? Do you think it's genetic on some level? Is anybody was anybody in your family the funny person that it came from, or, or are you the first? I'm probably the first. My dad was older when I was born, so he was born in 1928. My dad. So, you know, my dad grew up without television. So, you know, his, his comedy... Nothing made him smile. No, his, his, his comedy sensibilities were probably, you know, uh, molded by, I don't know, Jack Benny or... or he, had, he had the radio. Yeah, he had the radio. We so. had Jack Benny, then we had the war, goddammit, and that's all there was. Yeah, so basically he probably saw laughing on TV and got angry, and uh-huh. that was that. Was that. They're, they're talking about the war. They're making fun of the war. My dad, my dad just had jokes that he would run into the ground all the time. Because, and I think every dad of that era did. Like anywhere, anytime we were anywhere, he would tell us that he was going to put it on the Underhill account, like from Fletch. Okay. I so got every it. time we were somewhere, I'm going to put this on the Underhill account, and, and he'd was, laugh, and we'd be like, "Yeah, good one, Dad." Yeah, <laughs> that was his. That was that his was go-to. his. That was his go-to. We're putting this on the Underhill account. I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> everywhere we go, we do that, Dad." But didn't you didn't you find it at least a little bit refreshing that he had that moment of of consciousness that he had that ability to go there? Oh, and, absolutely. And make the joke. Absolutely. Yeah. He. I mean, he 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 loved to laugh and he loved comedy, but it, it, you know. It, you know, my dad was in his 50s most of the time I was a child, so he just had such a different comedic sensibility. So, I, I, not, to, not to go into a sad part, but did he ever get to, did he see you perform? No, no. No, never got to see you. Unfortunately, my dad passed away when I was pretty young. No, I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. 
Yeah, so no, but you know, he it's it's the memories of, you know, just talking about that, like with the Underhill account. It's a good memory, mm-hmm. but it just, you know, and, and everyone talks now about dad jokes. That's a thing now. Dads make jokes, dad jokes. And mm-hmm. I look back and say, my dad, my mm-hmm. my dad was the hipster of dad jokes. That's what I can say right now. He's the one who first brought it to fruition. And Jason, what about you? Genetically, is it in the family? Or is there somebody or or you know, that the humor no. comes from someplace? Like, I don't remember my dad being funny at all. I know one joke he used to tell me, but for the most part, he was just real serious. Like, he told me he loved me when I graduated high school, and it just shocked the shit out of me because he don't say <laughs> stuff like that. Right. He's just very, I thought something was wrong with him. So, like, not me. I was, I was in Florida, and we went to an improv show, and uh, they took volunteers. My brother volunteered me, of course. I didn't want to go up, but he just held my hand. So I kind of want to go up, so I didn't really pull it down, but I didn't want to, and they pulled me up on stage so I got to be a part of the show and everybody was laughing and then they were like yo after this show we're having uh, sign ups and I was like yo I wish I lived in Florida I would sign up and I went back to Canton Ohio and I was telling people they was like oh there's a uh, comedy club up the road called Funny Stop so I just called this and this this guy answered with his foreign accent and he was like yeah uh, you you go up on Tuesday five minutes so I had like a couple days to write five minutes of material so I wrote it I told my parents and my brothers and sisters. They all came out, and I was in this. And I, I won the contest. Actually, it was like a on your first time. Yeah, it, they wow. actually chose three of us. It was me, Sumak Torgalkar, and Katrina Brown. Wow. And uh, it was fun, and so I just kept doing it. But there was nobody in my family that I thought was funny that I. And so nobody where it came from. Nobody that. No. Yeah. What about you, Dino? Your your mom's. Uh, a little firecracker. She is. She's got the like I said the sarcastic wit, but she doesn't. Even, my mother doesn't even know that she's she's funny. You know, it's <laughs> it's one of those. She's just she's always been very sarcastic and very quick, and 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 that's where it comes from. But my dad was 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 funny in a in a in a more demented kind of way. You know, he would just like that he would it. Yeah, yeah, he would like to do fucked up shit, and he thought that was hysterical. Which actually, you know, it, in today's society, we would call it child abuse. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was he was a uh, he was funny that way, <laughs> real funny. <laughs> but but it was interesting. Um, as far as family goes, my mother, I, I toiled in the comedy clubs, and you know I said you know and that's what I was doing full time forever, and she never really embraced it. The only time where she considered the fact that I had quote unquote made it in comedy is when I did my first national TV appearance on Comic Strip Live on Fox. Yeah. Uh, back in 1990, that was my first national. Only then, only then, then all of a sudden, my son's on television. Did you see my son on television? Well, when your son was toiling in a comedy club for 45 weeks a year, you never said that. But, you know, the, you know my son was on television. That son of a bitch said his name wrong, you know, which they did. They mispronounced, they mispronounced Tripodis on national television. How'd they say it? Uh, it, was, uh, it was Wayne Cotter. And he said, Wayne Cotter is a terrible mispronunciation. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's way off. <laughs> way off. He said, Dino Tripodis. He goes, don't mean Tripodis, Tripodis. You know, he, he, he fucked it up. But um, that was the only time when my mother actually acknowledged that I was doing stand up. Really? You, you know what? I'm cutting you off. <laughs> You've had actually. Let me. Well, right. let, let's, let's talk about the whiskey for just a second as a, as a little sidebar. What do you think of the whiskey? Uh, to me, it just tastes like any whiskey because I'm not a whiskey drinker. What do you mean it tastes like any whiskey? Listen, don't, you, don't you pick up any of the... By the way, what is Shiv, uh, Shivas Regal? Shivas Regal? Shivas Regal. 
First, it's Chevis Regal. Chevis, all right. And it's a scotch. It's a, it's scotch. a, it's a, it's a blended scotch whiskey. That shows tomorrow. Scotch yeah. business. Is that good? Yeah. It, it's, uh, Chevis Regal was actually, I was used to be a, a confirmed scotch drinker. And when I took a job in Clarksburg, West Virginia, uh, summer vacation from college, building an Arthur Treacher's store construction in Clarksburg, West Virginia, the owner, the guy that was building the store said, I will buy your drinks every night if you drink what I drink, and he drank Chevis Regal. So I'm very familiar. Yeah, it's a nice blended scotch, it's good. So like, my wife got one like maybe 10 years ago, I think they might have gave it to her. And we just, it's just been sitting in my cabinet. That's still good, right? <laughs> yeah, it's still good. Is, is the lid still on it? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Uh, it's, it's not any better than it was when it was bottled. Yeah, no, I think don't, so. don't, it's, no, it's just sitting there because we don't drink it. Yeah, it's not. If it sits there for ten years, oh, it's been sitting there for ten years. Yeah, and no, 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 no. Yeah. Once it's out of the, once it's out of the barrel, it's as good as it's going to get. All you right. want to go to Jason's house after yeah. this? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you guys can have it. Chevis, <laughs> Chevis Regal. It's nice. I'm sorry for pronouncing it wrong. No, that's all right. That's okay. No, 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 no. no. I, I didn't mean to call you out on it. Yes, I did. I, I had a wonderful Malbec the other night. Get I'd out like of to here. Talk about. <laughs> You're on the wrong podcast. You've been on twice now. You know, and I was hoping that after our first one, because I actually picked a nice whiskey for you on you that did. first podcast. And this is this is this is good. Don't you don't you guys pick up anything? There's a there's a there's it, it's it, it's there's a hint of stinging. Not a stinging. That would be the that would be the black pepper. That would be the oh, black peppery okay. uh, uh, finish. There's a hint of ouchie. Don't that? you pick a. Did, Hansberry, you've been drinking. This is our 55th whiskey on the podcast. You've developed a bit of a palate. Did you pick up on the cinnamon? Yeah, I was going to say cinnamon. Cinnamon? Oh, yeah, that's, that was my third choice. <laughs> After the ouchie. Go ahead. After the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got, the, it's got the aroma of ouchie. And, uh, and the, did you not, you can't taste anything? In yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I'm not a whiskey drinker. So to me, to me, this reminds me more of anything when you were a kid and they'd spray back teen on a cut. Yeah. That's kind of what this reminds me of. So it's got a hint of back teen, actually. I, 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 on the back end of the palate, I feel back teen. Well, this bottle of back teen goes for about thirty-five to forty dollars if you can find it, and it's hard to find. And you're all right. It just tastes like any other whiskey to you. Yeah, I don't. You think can't find anything discernible about this glass of whiskey. When was the last time you had a glass of whiskey? You know what? I couldn't even tell you. What do you drink? What's Hennessy? Hennessy? That's cognac. I had some Hennessy the other day. You don't even know what you're drinking? No, man. I was at a club, actually, and people were buying them. It for just that. sounded good, didn't it? No, I have they a were buying them for the headliner, but they kept sending them so much, he just started giving them to me, and then I just drank a couple of them. Normally, I, normally I'm just drinking beer or wine. I'm a very sweet wine type of guy. I say that like I'm a wine connoisseur, but I just buy it barefoot. <laughs> for like six dollars but it's delicious to me the four pack of the mini bottles uh-huh. no no just just the regular six dollar skinny bottle as the ice melts uh, into the whiskey it does mm-hmm. taste a little better <laughs> Why don't is you, that is that kind of like an expert opinion I, I know this is a recording but you're holding it up like you're ready to do a fucking shakespearean sonnet as the ice melts into the whiskey <laughs> Oh, I love you, diluted whiskey. I, f- I feel like I've disappointed my dad. <laughs> I'm just going to put that on the Underhill account. <laughs> uh, you know, because of that callback, that can't be edited out now. No, right? I realize that. No. I realize that. It has that. to be no, in now yeah, because no, of the no, callback. Thanks, guys. That's in there. That's okay. I hardly edit that. Well, Hansberry does all the editing, but... Uh, Here, we're, it's, we're it's say cinnamon, that. somebody. I'll edit that in. 
Cinnamon. Says <laughs> <laughs> no one responded. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so we got to we got to start wrapping things up here. Um, so where where do you where do you see it going from here? I mean, what would be the perfect the perfect marriage, pun intended, of comedy and your lives at this point? Where do you where do you see it all going in the next in the next go around with your kids as they get older? And as your marriages continue to be successful and prosper, what do you hope happens? Does it sound weird to say the status quo? No. I'm what, pretty cool with the status quo. What is the status quo for you right the now? The status quo right now is I've got a successful blend of a comedy career and a family life that I'm happy with. Absolutely nothing you know, wrong with that. If something blows up, hey, that's great. But you Will know, you be prepared if it does blow up in a good way? Would, no, would, no, that would be a significant change. Would that your would family, be a significant change. Would your change. family be able to handle that? You know, that's a really good question because that's one of the things about... What if you... I remember one time, I remember one time I was doing an audition for a showcase for a TV spot and I looked around and there were literally 30 comedians in this audition and, and I, I was the only one who was married. Mm -hmm. It's a hard, hard life on marriages and families. It is. And um, so I like to think that I will always play it smart and always... And always, boy, I've come off like the most corny person in the history no, of this no. podcast. You know what? You're, I love my family no, and hate whiskey. I, I, no, <laughs> I mean I couldn't come off some... like. No, no, no. Let me let me let me just clarify. You've been a long, long time friend. You're a dear friend. You're yes. a bit of a pussy, but you're a dear, dear friend. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but the, but if the status quo is good. <laughs> I kid, I kid. If the status quo is good for you, and you bring up an interesting point, because I was actually had this down as a question, and I, and I avoided it, but now, well, you know what? You kind of opened up that gate. Uh, as you both have been married, and if you have podcast remorse, after we get done with this taping, we could edit it out, but do you get tempted whilst on the road? Mm. And have you been? And sometimes it's not even you that's making the... It's not even you that has the wandering eye it is someone in the audience who's taken a fancy to you. And that is very intoxicating at times, to have a complete stranger be enamored with what you've done on stage and now wants to see the sexual equivalent. Let me answer first, because I don't want to have to follow Dan to act like I'm just saying what his, because you know he's going to say something nice as hell. And I, right. I, <laughs> but I'm, I'm being honest, though, too. I'm just saying I don't want to look like I'm just copying him. I'm never tempted. Like, my wife is the most amazing person in the world. But I, I have had people say stuff which is just weird to me. Like, I was just at Cleveland Improv, and this girl came up afterwards, and she was like, so you want to come party with me afterwards? And I was just thinking, like, am I that funny? Because I'm not that great looking. Like, I'm lanky as hell. I'm <laughs> six foot two, under 145 pounds. Like, there's nothing say. Like, who looks at me and was like, yo, him. That's the man. That's the one. <laughs> Becky, that's the one for you. So it always weirds me out when they come and say stuff. Like, hey. But it's not that it always happens. But I, I've had, like, a couple times where girls said things where I just thought, like, Wow. Okay. The, the headliner was cute. Why did yep. you holler at him? Well, I know. It's, it, like I said, sometimes it's a very uh, intoxicating. And it goes with, with female comedians as well. Guys become very attracted to a female comedian on stage and, and maybe make their move. Have you ever been tempted? I've got to check every dork box by saying no. No. All right. <laughs> That's uh, fine. I, but, you know, I, 
Let me let me go let me go just a, a, a tad step there, deeper. Let, let me go a, sta- a tad step deeper before we wrap it up. If you had, in theory, would your wives know once you got home? If I had been tempted, if or? you know, if you had cheated. So you're asking me if. <laughs> If I would cheat, would I go tell my wife? No, no. I'm asking if you cheated. What, 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 what do you, you expect che- him to tweet it out afterwards? No, 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 no. If you, I'm, I'm asking. I'm a caller while I'm doing I'm, it. Like, guess what I'm doing? The women know what I'm talking about. Back Is he going to Snapchat it? The women it know. The women know what I'm talking about. If you were to have cheated oh, while on the road and kept tell. it to yourself oh. and went home and she says, how was Cleveland? How was Texarkana? And you go, oh, you know, baby, same as usual, just, you know, know, the shows and, you know, blah, 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 nothing happened. Would they know? Yes, absolutely. Based on your behavior. Absolutely. I, I, I will tell you this. I talk in my act, and like I've said from the beginning, I talk in my act about the truth, and that's important to me, and I think it conveys a lot comedically about who I am and what I think is funny. And one of the things I say right up front in almost every single show is, my wife is the first and only woman I have ever been with. And if I couldn't say that and make it truthful, I think people would know. Is that true? (laughs) <laughs> Look at him. You know damn well he's the only woman he's here with. You heard this whole podcast. You've been here the whole time. Why you act like you think damn been sleeping with bitches? I'm just kidding. I just felt like it was about time I said something funny. I've been chilling. It's, you know what? Cut me off too, brother. <laughs> This right. Yeah, man, no. I've had four sips now. Yeah. No, four I'm tiny joking. sips. There's been a secondary show as this side of the room watches my face every time I take a sip. Every time I take a sip, they're like, he might be hurting. <laughs> it looks painful. Well, there's something wrong with me then, because this is my fourth pour of the night, another four sips. So, I, And I know, I know you guys marvel at the, uh, this, it, trust me, it's nothing to be that proud of. No. But... Be proud. Be proud. Be proud. Be proud of what? That I can drink more whiskey than you? You get to go to meetings, don't you? No, no. I don't do well at the meetings. I don't (laughs) don't go to meetings, no. (laughs) Let me just tell you this because we joke on whiskey business a lot. Um, We have fun drinking the whiskey, but uh, we we don't make fun of the fact that it could eventually be a problem. And I've been blessed that it has not become a problem. It's actually become a nice vehicle to do this podcast, yeah. and we got to start wrapping things Co- up. Coffee business just doesn't yeah, have the same coffee, ring. Yeah, coffee business. <laughs> coffee chat wouldn't be nearly as entertaining or as fun, but I want to thank you, gentlemen. I just like the fact that this podcast has to include a PSA. I like yeah, that yeah, aspect. Nice. You know what? Yeah. Like the more G- you know. G.I. Joe would be doing it. <laughs> the, you know, or the law offices of Say and Piat at 888-OVI-Ohio, and we all know what the OVI means. <laughs> if you don't, I hope you never do. Um, we got to wrap it up, though. Hansberry, Stan Pyatt? Th- what's that? Stan Pyatt? Not Stan, Saya and Pyatt. Oh. He's, he doesn't know. That's a good thing. Saya yeah. and so, Pyatt. It's a, yeah. a DUI attorney. 100 plus years of collective experience and a reputation for results with a free consultation. Wait a minute. This attorney has been doing DUI law for 100 years? Yep. This guy is the best. Yeah. Why isn't he hosting a podcast? It's crazy because he's 67. So I passed the bar in 1842. <laughs> the law offices of Methuselah and Moses. <laughs> um, we do. We really. I got, I got the flashing light from the nice lady in the uh, in the audience. We got to we got to wrap things up, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dino. Dan Swartout, ladies and gentlemen, give him a nice round of applause. Jason Banks. 
You can catch them uh, locally here at the Columbus Funny Bone whenever they happen to be in town. Check your listings. Greg Hansberry, our producer, thank you very much. Let me say what I always say. Uh, Whiskey Business is a Never the Luck production recorded with the cooperation of the Columbus Radio Group and this time around the uh, Columbus Podcast Festival. And it's never meant to offend, only to entertain and inform. And so, my friends, until the next bottle, thank you. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. 